I wonder if you would open up your scriptures in whatever form you have it to Psalm 95. Psalm 95. My hope and my prayer is that this is one of the most simple messages I will ever give. Because as a good old friend of mine used to say, it doesn't take a rocket science to understand what worship is all about. Especially on this Shabbat and this weekend when worship is such an incredible part of Son of David Congregation's life. I wanted to go over this psalm with you and the message title this morning is A Call to Worship. A Call to Worship. I have to turn this on before it works. There we go. Okay. Psalm 95, verses 1 to 5. Our Shabbat entrance. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. I call this an entrance to Shabbat. Because I believe this is the attitude that we all should have as we walk through the doors every Shabbat morning. And it's basically an attitude of singing, an attitude of joy, an attitude of thanksgiving, and an attitude of praise. Look at the words here. Oh, come let us sing to the Lord. This is a time of communal voices. This is not a time where we sit at home where we get in our quote-unquote prayer closet and, and we take it upon ourselves to sing to the Lord. That's a wonderful thing too. But a Shabbat service or any time the children of God get together, it's a communal singing to him. I've said this before, maybe you've forgotten. If you read in the Millennial Temple that's described in Ezekiel chapter 40 to the end of the book, It appears as though the Millennial Temple has two balconies. And these balconies hold the Levitical choir and musicians. And literally one-third of the Levites are involved in musical ministry to the Lord. And it seems as if they sing back and forth to each other. And I can only imagine their voices as they sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. The Lord God of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. I suggest that you start singing to the Lord on your way to Shabbat service to get yourself ready. I would suggest that you ask the Lord to put a song on your heart as you come in on Shabbat morning. I can almost guarantee you that somewhere in the service, that song will have meaning to you because God will have put that song in your heart. Sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. 
Do any of you have trouble being joyful? Yes. Come on. You know it's true. Well, let me advance this idea into your kepi. For those of you who don't know what a kepi is, it's your head. The very fact that you're a child of God demands your joy. Because the alternative is a lack of joy and a lack of life and a lack of happiness. And that joy, okay, are you ready? Is to be shouted without reservation, without fear, without being ashamed of who you believe in and who believes in you. It's to be a witness to the world. It's to be a witness on Shabbat morning at Son of David congregation to everyone who comes in here that our joy is based on the fact that we serve a living God. And great, great is that God. And we are to be thankful for that. Verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. How can you not come before his presence with thanksgiving? He owns you. And me. And everything that is in the earth. And on the earth. And the earth. He owns what's in your wallet. He owns what's in your pocketbook. He owns the furniture in your house. Oh, by the way, he grew the trees that it came from. As one pastor said, you know that hunk of metal that you drove in here today? He owns the ground the ore came from. And oh, by the way, the dollars in your, bo- in your wallet... He owns the trees that that paper was made from. We are to give thanks to him for everything because he owns everything. And he is worthy of our thanks. And we shout joyfully to him. And we sing to him with psalms. One thing I am just so delighted about every Shabbat morning when the worship team comes together and leads us in worship is that Carmen has picked out songs that either match the scripture of the week or have a theme that comes from the scripture. So even though we're not reading psalms themselves, singing psalms themselves, we're singing scripture. It's biblical. It's proper. It even is a a foretaste, if you will, of the singing that we're going to be doing in heaven. You think the singing this morning was glorious? Kent Henry ain't got nothing on the seraphim. And I'm sure he'll agree with me. And it's a time for praise. Why is it a time for praise? Verse 3. Because the Lord is a great God. Oh, that's the only response I get from that? The Lord is a great God. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. Jacques Cousteau's got nothing on the Lord. Jacques Cousteau has just seen an inkling of what the Lord has beneath the surface of the waters. The heights of the hills are also his. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. This should be our attitude, our Shabbat entrance, every Saturday morning as we come to Son of David. Expectant to be joyous. Expectant to be prayerful expectant to sing, even if you don't even know what three-part harmony is. And thankful 
for so many things, but most importantly, thankful for our God, who is great and mighty to be traced. For some reason, it's not working today. Oh, that's right, it's backwards, I forget. Psalm 95, verse 66 and 7. Corporate prayer and worship. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God. We are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand under His care. Have you ever noticed that Son of David on Shabbat morning that there's two distinct parts of the worship service that Carmen and the worship team put together? The first part is usually more joyous and celebratory, but the second part is more inward. The second part is more prayerful. And I believe that that is also part of our Shabbat experience with the Lord God. It's not just exuberance in song. It's also submission in prayer. Look at the wonderful words here. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. The Hebrew here for bow down, shacha, literally means to prostrate oneself. And oh, by the way, you don't prostrate yourself by falling backwards. It is a solemn understanding and reverence for the one who owns everything and to who you owe your very life. It's an understanding of whose you are, not who you are, and in whom you have your life. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. You know my favorite 1970s theologian, don't you? Bob Dylan? Did you know that he became a believer? It's another story. But I love one of the verses in his song. The chorus goes, you got to serve somebody. I choose to serve the King of Kings. And you know what? Sometimes I can yell even when I'm on my knees. And sometimes when my knees are too sore to properly bend down because I know that I'm going to have trouble getting back up, I can bow down in my heart. And so can we. Bow down. The Hebrew word is kara. It literally means to bend the knee. When you're trying to fight someone, your knees are stiff and sturdy. But when you're submitting to someone, your knees are bent and your heart is bent and your soul and your mind is bent. Not bent crooked, but bent in reverence. And that's the Shabbat prayer. And that's the Shabbat attitude. And to kneel down, it's wonderful. All of these different Hebrew words, shacha, kara, barach, it means to kneel down as you bless and pray. 
You may notice sometimes on Shabbat morning, I will kind of get up from my, my, my spot. You know why I sit here, don't you? It's because my tushy's got an imprint right on that seat, right over there. But sometimes I have to get up and get into my prayer closet, even though I'm with the community. And you may find me sometimes on the back bench, head bowed, eyes closed, listening to the worship and soaking up the spirit. That's what this is all about. That's what Shabbat is all about. Psalm 95, 8 to 11. And there's also a warning to Shabbat. Do not harden. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They proved me though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Shabbat morning is also a time to listen. And it's a warning that you cannot listen with a hard heart. You must listen with a heart that's been pierced, just like the hands and feet of our Messiah. A heart that is open, a heart that is ready, a heart that is willing to be convicted, a heart that will not test God, And a heart that must understand that there are consequences of not listening to the word of God. That's why the preaching of the word, that's why the reading of the word also needs to be part of our Shabbat morning experience. But deaf ears cannot hear. Hard hearts cannot understand. And blind eyes cannot see. And so the understanding on Shabbat morning as we are called to worship the king is first to praise him, second to soberly bow down to him, and then third to be made ready to listen to him. Because there's everyone in this room that needs to be convicted of something. There's everyone in this room that has a challenge. There's everyone in this room that has a hurt. And there's everyone in this room who can be spoken to individually every Shabbat morning just as he speaks to our congregation as a whole. But we have to listen. And that's what corporate worship allows us to do. It puts us in the mood to listen. And and I would only hope that all of you get lost in the worship every Shabbat morning. Because as you get lost in the worship, you not only forget where you are, but you forget where you came from. Because where you came from is where all your problems are. Where you came from is when the mortgage bail is due. Where you came from is where, oh, oh, my head gasket blew. Where you came from 
is where my child is hurting or a dear one has been lost. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. Turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verses 1 to 13. I think too many people assume they know what God's rest is and they haven't read the scripture about what God's rest is. So we're going to see if we can understand what God's rest is this morning and we can make decisions individually and corporately whether we've entered his rest or not. By the way, Shabbat is a chance to do it every week. Oh, wait a minute. That's the next page of notes. I'll get there. Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 1. Therefore... Since a promise remains of entering his rest, what did I tell you about promise in the Hebrew scriptures? Is there such a word as promise in Hebrew? What's the Hebrew? Devar Adonai, the word of the Lord. His word is his promise. Therefore, just as there remains a promise of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it, For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. The gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Hebrews 3, 7 and 19 talks about the danger of unbelief from a hardened heart. Hebrews 4, 1 to 13 talks about the challenge to enter his rest. And Hebrews 4, 1 to 7 talks first about a promised rest and second about the fact that the good news, the gospel, has to be mixed with faith. Otherwise, it's not worth anything. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Does that sound familiar? Psalm 95, verse 11. This refers, by the way, to the 40-year wilderness wandering of the Jewish people who didn't believe God's promise of a promised land, which, by the way, was spoken of at that time as his promise of rest. Hold that thought. I'll get to it again. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. God rested from his work so we could enter into his rest. Oh, wait a minute, we'll see what that means in just a minute. Since, therefore, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your your hearts. You see, God's rest was his rest from creation. Yeshua's rest was his rest from the work of redemption. 
And we ought to understand that unless we listen to the voice of God, unless we don't allow our hearts to be hardened, we will not be able to enter into that rest. Because that's the rest that God has in store for us. Hebrews 4, 8 to 13. For if Joshua had given them rest, now why would it say if Joshua had given them rest? Because the understanding was that when Joshua led them into the promised land, that would be the rest for the children of Israel. If Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. You see, rest and the promised land are not one in the same. The promised land is part of that rest, but it is not all that rest because there remains a greater rest for the people of God. The ultimate rest we call Yom Shekulo Shabbat, the day that is all rest. And we get to practice that every seven days. Or do we? The question is not, do we get to practice it? The question is, do we practice it? How many of you during the worship set, please, I don't want to see any hands. How many of you during the worship set were still thinking about the same stuff you thought about yesterday? That's not rest. was talking with uh, my brother from another mother, Kent. (laughs) And I had mentioned to him, he said, do you play an instrument? Do you sing? I I said, well, I I sing. And then I went, I sang. He kind of stopped for a minute. I said, I've got this hearing problem now. My right ear is shot. It happened in a year. I've got 10% of the hearing in this right ear. Even if they boost the sound loud enough for me to hear something, it's all garbled. So basically, I can't do anything with this ear. So now I wear this crazy device on my head. Praise God, I've got a 45-day free trial. (laughs) That actually takes whatever sound comes in this side. It transmits it to this side. And then I supposedly hear from both sides. Well, let me tell you something. It ain't perfect. And the other thing that it does is it doesn't allow me to hear my voice the way I used to hear my voice. And so that's also why sometimes I sit in the back. Because I got to sing. But now I'm dealing with something that I've been to three doctors, an audiologist, an ENT, MRIs, CT scans, and you know what? Other than giving that to you as an example this morning, I don't think about it on Shabbat. It's not important. I'm here to worship. I'm here to pray. I'm here to bow down, and I'm here to listen, and I'm here to be convicted. And by the way, if you think that my words on Shabbat morning are just for you, you have another thing coming. Because the Lord convicts me as I write my messages and as I speak my message. This is not a place to bring your troubles to. This is a place to bring your praise to. 
there is a greater rest for us than we can even imagine. And we need to make our calling and election sure. Do you think that if I did not know Messiah Yeshua, I could forget a lot of the stuff that I have to deal with six days of the week? I don't think so. I would bring them into the seventh day. That's why God gave us the Sabbath. So that we could rest. You know, my wife was away for many, many weeks up in Chicago. Praise God she's back. But the, the, the ministry and the counseling that she was going through was seven days a week. She came back home and she said, I need a Sabbath rest. And she took one for two days. And God said, it's okay. We all need it. We all need it. We have to understand the power of God's word. When he says there's a promised rest for us, there's a promised rest for us. For the word of God, I'm sorry, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. Diligent to enter that rest. Sometimes it takes a lot of, ah, to leave the world behind on Saturday morning. Am I right? You know what helps me leave the world behind on Saturday morning? Worship. Because sometimes I sit down in that chair, and for the first song or two and the meet and greet, I'm doing the Rabbi Dennis thing. I'm looking around, seeing who's here, seeing who's late again. until I stop thinking about what I'm thinking about and I start thinking about the words that I'm singing and then I'm brought into the presence of God. Dear one, Saturday morning can be the most amazing day of your week if you allow it to be. But you have to be diligent in your allowance. Amen? Let us therefore be diligent to enter that restless. Anyone fall after the same example of disobedience For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of, of the heart. Dear ones, make your calling and election sure, because God's word is powerful. God's word is sharp. And God's word has no... Uh, um, um, uh, I'm blanking on the word. It doesn't care who you are. It's the word of truth. Whether you're white, black, yellow, green, male, female, tall, short, big, small, petite, or whatever, God's word is God's word. And God's word is sharp. And God's word pierces to the depths of your soul. And there is no creature, verse 13, hidden from his sight. But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Sometimes I think that when I kneel down, I ought to spread my arms open and open my heart too. Because if I'm afraid of God going into my heart, I've got a bigger problem than you understand. I just want to close with this prayer, if I may. And maybe you can pray it along with me in your heart. 
No, I'm not going to close quite yet. God rested from his work, right? Is God still working? Yeshua rested from his work, right? Is he still working? We have the opportunity to rest from our work. To rest from our cares and our sorrows, our striving, our legalism, and to enter into his rest. But are we still working? Yes. You see, we're not supposed to sit around like couch potatoes singing kumbaya. We're supposed to praise. We're supposed to bow down. We're supposed to listen. We're supposed to be convicted so that the joy that resides in us allows us to reside in his presence so that we can invite others to seek his presence and be involved in his presence. And they can invite others to seek his presence. And the release that was preached and prayed over Son of David congregation this morning will be done not just through miracles, but through us. Boy, that was not a rousing amen. Because you see, the blessing that we get from God is given to us so that we can bless others. That's the work of rest. I just coined that phrase. Just made it up right now. Not in my notes, hadn't thought about it. That's the work of rest, is to invite others to enter into the same rest. Amen? Let's pray. May the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Yeshua from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Yeshua HaMashiach, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let us all say together, Amen. Amen.